0: So the big tax question is this, how do wealthy people keep their money working for them when selling their business, real estate, or other highly appreciated assets without paying hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars in tax? What if we as business and real estate owners who have poured blood, sweat, and tears to growing our wealth, and who didn't hire expensive tax attorneys and CPAs to map out an exit strategy, knew their secrets? Instead of recreating the wheel, Why can't we just model the way they deferred 30 to 50% in tax, paid off debt, funded their next business dream, and most importantly, leave a financial legacy to give to the causes we believe in most? What if their secrets weren't complicated at all, and you just need a guide who is a few steps ahead of you? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Brett Swartz, and welcome to Capital Gains Tax Solutions.
1: Welcome to the Capital Gains Tax Solutions Podcast, where we believe most high net worth individuals and those who help them struggle with clarifying their capital gains tax referral options. Not having a clear plan is the enemy, and using a proven tax referral strategy, such as the Deferred Sales Trust, is the best way for you to grow your wealth. I'm your host, Brett Swartz. Each episode, I am joined by some of the best real estate, financial, and wealth minds in the world where they share their ideas, deal stories, and inspiration, so together we can make complex tax referral strategies simple and passive income plans achievable. I am excited about our next guest. Uh, He brings a wealth of knowledge and experience of over 25 years in the investment uh, world uh, as a financial advisor and and so much more. He uh, spent 15 years with uh, uh, PIMCO and was closely um, with uh, notable investors such as Bill Gross, Paul McCauley, and Muhammad el Iran. His uh, career at PIMCO spans several assignments, most recently serving as the Executive Vice President of Account Management, covering a range of family offices and institutional clients, including uh, Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, Intel, United Auto Workers, 3M Corporation, and others. Um, now, he is the founder of Anfield Capital. That's actually in uh, Southern California, and he's, he's uh, reignited um, um, a brand, brand new firm. That I think opened up now just in the last year or two. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about that, his vision for the company, and how he can help you create and preserve more wealth. Please welcome the show with me, David Young. Hey, David, how are you?
2: Great, it's doing great, Brett. Thank you. And thanks to everyone listening, watching.
1: Excellent, yes. And by the way, you can find uh, David Young um, and his team at Anfield Capital. Um, I believe it's LLC.com, is that correct? Or Anfield correct. Capital. Anfield.
2: Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Anfield Capital LLC.com
1: excellent so davis would you, david would you give us a little bit more about um, your story and your current focus
2: sure happy to um <clears throat> so i'm uh, sort of a one of those investment geeks i, I must admit proud of it <clears throat> um spent my really effectively my entire career uh, in the investment management industry uh with you know some cases small firms in some cases large firms smith barney harris and upham you know, back in the day, that was the mid eighties, so I'm dating myself. Um, and uh, then, you know, for quite some stretch at, at PIMCO, uh, Pacific Investment Management Company, which, uh, which is a fixed income, it's, it's really an asset management giant, best known for their fixed income or, or you know, debt investing work. Um, a few other firms along the way and started Anfield Capital actually Anfield Capital uh, a little over 10 years ago now, uh, the more recent activity is with the estate planning team, DST Wealth Management. So we can talk a little bit about what are all those acronyms and, and what, what's all that about. So so that, that's myself, sort of, you know, MBA from the University of California at Irvine, I did rejoin the finance faculty uh, there, um, gosh, probably in, um, must've been 2008, nine, after leaving pimco one of the reasons why i left pimco was to sort of you know reinvigorate the career well redirect i should say we can talk more about that um and uh yeah and then and then right about that time decided to start anfield capital management so it's been exciting stuff it was really all about you know rediscovering uh my passion for the science and art of managing money I'm a trained economist, Um, we found the best and most interesting application to that, uh, you know, that that dismal science as some call it, uh, in the field of investment management. And um, that's what we do. I'm native of um, Liverpool, England, hence the Anfield Capital being the name of the firm. Liverpool is located in in an area or near a street called Anfield. And I've lived in a number of places around the world, in the US and Europe in particular live here in newport beach with my wife sandy and um just enjoying uh managing money and helping
1: clients that's a beautiful background and a cool story and we'll dive into a little bit more about those particulars in a minute i want to take one one step back though and help the audience get to get to know you a little bit more you know i believe we've all been given certain gifts in this life and i want you to kind of go back maybe to the it could be the university days it could be the high school days it could be younger right and i believe we've been given certain gifts and these gifts are given to us to be able to be a blessing and help for others. So maybe what were those one or two gifts, Dave, that you believe you were given, and how does that help how you bless others today?
2: Ooh, gifts are, yeah, that's that's a tall order to think about that. I don't tend to think of myself as gifted. Humble, maybe that's a gift. (laughs) Um, No, I think... um, so, so I was a late bloomer in life. And for all you late bloomers out there, don't worry. <clears throat> it's okay. Sometimes better to wait. Um, and and yeah, much to, to the concern and dismay of my, my parents, more than one time I'm I'm quite sure it was like, you know, does he talk? Is he okay? Uh Super quiet, which you would not believe now. Everybody's like, no, I don't believe that, you know. <clears throat> so that's okay, you know, things change in life. Um, But I think out of that, spending a lot of time inside my head, being a bit of a late bloomer, I spent a lot of time in my youth uh watching, observing, listening, <laughs> a beautiful thing, just taking it in. I didn't feel the need to necessarily talk a lot or participate, you know, necessarily. And so I think that kind of maybe keen observational skills about about people, about things, about markets, about portfolios, about numbers, and being able to try and figure out what separate what matters, really matters from things that maybe don't matter. And in the modern world, there's so much going on. That ability to just, just pause and focus. And uh, I think is 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 a gift. <clears throat> um, what else would I comment on? Um, yeah, I think uh, if I maybe allowed a second gift um, is a, a can-do attitude. Um, you know, I've always said if you want something done, ask the busiest person you know. Um, and I'm typically one of the busiest person that, that many people know. And so um, the can-do attitude helps me be positive with others and say, you know, let, let, let's not get hung up on the problems or the challenges, or the impediments. Let's see if we can find a way past no. Let's see if we can find a yes. Let's see if we can find a way to, to, to make it work. Um, gotta be careful with that one because sometimes the answer really is no. And uh, in my you know, journey uh, to become a, a better person, I, I'm still trying to find the blend. Yes all the time is actually not the right answer, either in business or in life. Uh, it's that, um, you know, careful application of the occasional no that puts things in balance. Maybe those two things.
1: Very well said. And so much wisdom there. One of the questions that comes to to mind here is the keen observational skills. So how have you improved um, or built upon that strength over the years?
2: How have I built upon it? Um, Yeah, I think uh, still learning less is more. Uh, Still learning, keep it simple. I'll leave the stupid part off and a little bit mean there. Um, learning how then what you have to do is, is learn how to balance that with communication. You can't just be taken in, taken in, taken in. You've got to find a way to now say, okay, let me share, right? It's that sharing part, right? So it's not selfish anymore. Uh, the observations and, and share them in a way that other people can understand them. Not that I'm any smarter or it's not about that. Right, so by bringing them into that perspective, you gain through that observation, and then saying, "Okay, now what do we do with this information? Right? How do we get a better result for you and your investment portfolio? How do we get a better tax mitigation strategy? How do we just how do we just have a more interesting conversation if we're just sitting around talking?"
1: Mm-hmm. Very well said, and very um, very um, uh, very simple. Right, taking taking down what what can be complex, making it simple. And then creating an environment where you can share that, right, with one another and right. then apply it. And, it's almost, you know, I think a good financial advisor or consultant comes alongside and, and, and shows and kind of guides and then says, what do you think? And uh, you're right. It might be some no's. It might be some yeses. But if you're not if you're not getting the no's, perhaps you're not getting to a really good yes. Right. So it's important to to work with the client and, and to work through the communication and then to apply that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So when did you become fascinated and or obsessed with helping others achieve freedom with their wealth through investments?
2: Well, let's see. Um, I think there's probably a a somewhat kind of a, a little more righteous answer. And then I think there's frankly a little more selfish answer. At the end of the day, I'm building a company. Um, And that means you need to have clients and and assets, which is typically how how the compensation works, right? We get get paid a small amount of of a percent to manage the money. And so, um, you know, you look around and you say, where can myself and my team, because we we do have a a pretty good sized team, all very experienced, very professional, similar mindset to myself and, and Brett and others, how we all gravitate together. I think good people find each other. Uh, there's a way, I don't know how it works, but it, but it, but it works. Um, and so the, the selfish part of, of that is um, seeing an opportunity to combine our skills, expertise, some of the qualities we've just discussed uh, with uh, a need uh, in, in uh, of our clients uh, to build a business. Uh, that would be that part. I think the, the other part is identifying that um, done right Wealth transfer, unlocking the value embedded in in assets uh, through the right kind of transaction doesn't have to be complicated. That's the observational bring it all in, boil it all down, turn it into a solution, right? Uh, great, that's all great. What do I do with this? Uh, Number one, I think um, that, yeah, and the way the assets are managed inside these trusts once they're, they're they're struck, again, doesn't it's not magic. It doesn't have to be super complicated. It doesn't have to be super expensive. It doesn't have to to be you know accessible. Also, probably third point, only to a very large like like the really rich people. Um, no, there's a strategy in here that can help a lot of folks. I mean, just just the guy down the street or the lady on the other you know across town that owns a business or or a home. It it works for them too because it's accessible. So I think that that's maybe kind of the application on the, on the, on the, on the the helping clients part.
1: Excellent. So what's the biggest secret to unlocking value in the investments? Walk us through that where the aha moments that you're helping clients to have either, and maybe not just be in the investments, but it could be their portfolio. It could be their assets and walk us through if, you know, perhaps we're meeting for the first time and, what might be a question or two that you might ask me to try to try to um, open up uh, the possibility of unlocking that, 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 that value there?
2: And so let me ask a clarifying question, Brett, so I make sure I answer it properly. Um, do you mean about the, the transaction to, let's just say they're selling a piece of real estate and then putting that in a trust, and now there's there's money, cash in there that we can do something with? Or do you mean about how that money might actually be managed?
1: Uh, the latter, because we've talked a lot about the former on the on the previous previous one, so this will be more of the latter.
2: Got it. Okay, so I going to be clear. Good, because I know more about the latter than I did about the former. So I'm a little nervous there. Um, when we stop, maybe as with many things in life, pursuing the payoff right the big returns i need 10 12 15% i need something very complicated i need a custom strategy because you know my world is complicated the entire world is complicated uh, when we stop pursuing those which frankly are a little bit based in ego if i may say it, but we see that we all have it i have it um, then we start to focus on what really matters which is managing the risk part of the conversation boring but it's what really matters. So I've learned two things in my career, managing money. Number one, focusing on risk allows you to take advantage of naturally occurring return opportunities. So you're not not chasing the return opportunity. You're taking a sensible amount of risk and you're allowing the the market to compensate you in its own natural way and it's lumpy and disruptive and sometimes a little nerve uh, wracking, but it's a better way. So we focus on determining how much risk we need to take and how much risk the client and the transaction can comfortably sort sort of coexist with and then building a portfolio that will optimize the return we hope to get, never know, hope, it's from my compliance officer, Uh, hope to get um, based on that sensible amount of risk. So it's a risk-based approach, not a chasing return approach, number one, number two. um, The single most deterministic aspect of a good investment management, a good investment strategy it is not forecasting interest rates or the stock market or technology stocks or any of that stuff. It's really, really, really simple. It's also, I think one of the most scarce uh, attributes in the investment management world, and I, I know many of, my, many of my colleagues very, very well, um, it's patience. The patience born of conviction. When you take a high conviction position And you take it in your personal, sorry, we've got these uh, fires here in Southern California, uh, which is a separate discussion. Um, And so there's just uh, the air quality is low. Um, You take a high conviction position in anything, in your life, in your relationships, in your business, in your workout, your diet, in your faith. You take a high conviction position, patience comes easy. Uh, but it's, it's combining those two in the right measure. So patience is critical in, in helping our clients understand. You took the, amount of, the right amount of risk, return will come your way. Uh, but we need to be patient.
1: Yeah, so that- maybe, maybe
2: you're looking for things like you know price equity ratio or earnings or things like that. But I really don't think that they matter uh, over reasonably long periods of time.
1: Mm-hmm. yes well very well said and i think that patience is probably the most challenging virtue in today's um rapid paced techno you know technology information packed mm-hmm. environment in fact i think a lot of wise people have said it's no longer an information age it's an attention age we're, mm-hmm. we're way past information it's the ability to capture it and that, I think, is the biggest challenge to patience. So I love the way you said that born on conviction or a high conviction um, foundation. You know, in other words, let's imagine you're building your mindset for investing. If you can build it on a foundation of patience, it's going to have a solid and conviction, right? Conviction, I guess is maybe the better word. And then you're going to have a big, you know, the second floor is going to be a better to have patience. Is that a fair summary on that uh, last point? Yeah, I think if you have...
2: Once you, we talk all the time in the investment committee about let's about high conviction trades, high conviction, you know, positions. <clears throat> and if we can't get to a threshold of high conviction, then we know that our patience will wane, right? Because maybe we didn't really have that degree of commitment. It's important in life. It's important in everything. And it's very important and very scarce in investing because we all want that quick payoff. We all want that hot second quarter number. You know, we can go tell everybody how great we're doing. And it's, it's oftentimes a part of folly.
1: So the ego and pride part, the emotional part of it, the discipline part of it, uh, has uh, so much more to do than maybe perhaps just the numbers. Is that a fair summary?
2: I think it's a fair summary. Look at some of the great investors <clears throat> of all time. My former boss, Bill Gross. Uh, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, Bob Miller at uh, Leg Mason. Um, you know, um, Warren Buffett. Right. If, if you really peel apart, even, even back in the day, um, Peter Lynch, you really peel apart what's at the crux. It it's really is, it sounds so trite to say, it, it really is a high-conviction, long-term
1: strategy. So how do we nurture patience and uh, establishing high-conviction um, mindset and discipline? What did the, what did the Bill Grosses do? you know, you're, you're close to him. What was, what was Bill doing to, to nurture that and to practice that?
2: Yeah. <clears throat> so it does help if we have some of the basic principles of, of investing and a lot of this, everybody already knows. so I won't go, try and explain any of it, but diversification matters because if we can get enough high conviction ideas in a portfolio or in an investment strategy or in, in that DST, you know, the, that trust, then, um, then it makes it easier. If you have you know, a number of different things going on, diversification matters to help control risk and spread risk. That's the risk part that we talked about in terms of that approach. Um, so it, it's structuring a portfolio properly. So it the portfolio allows you to allow it to interact with the markets over time and, and, and do its thing, so to speak. Um, it's I think a, a discipline, a lot of vigilance if you are you have the ability to watch the portfolio and bill was bill would come in every day and just piles and piles it was more of a paper guy than a computer guy Uh, certainly a lot of time on the computer (laughs) i'm just going through manually every account hundreds of accounts amazing just mind boggling um but immersing yourself in the numbers I think, gives you the ability to feel confident Right and where you are and like, I know the risks, I know what's happening, I've got a handle on it all. I'm just gonna call that good old fashioned hard work and some of the observational skills we talked about before, Um, what else? And then I think um, oddly enough, once you determine that something isn't working, the premise was wrong, something in the whole, in the world has changed, it's not working out and, and you do lose that conviction, and this is gonna sound very sort of, you know, uh, contrary to what I said before, Um, knowing that once you get there, you can exit that investment position that isn't working promptly and not look back. It's strangely freeing knowing, like anything, I can get out at any time. And and knowing that I will, I have the discipline to know when to exit. Um, You know, a buy decision is important a whole decision be patient is important but 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 that 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 personal commitment and discipline to exit when you have lost conviction go with your gut because it it is an important part of it strangely that's freeing and allows you to you know observe observe the markets in the portfolio and watch them do what they do
1: so well said again and um that would be maybe the second or third book you could write on on all these topics Uh. and but it it makes me think about what's happening right now in the real estate market and especially the values and um we've seen some all-time highs and a lot of a lot of a lot of high net worth individuals are just folks that are just like you said don't even realize the wealth or or it's kind of the middle of the road that's that's still fine too a lot of it's tied up in these real estate deals, right? And they're not diversified and, and, it, you know, they're subject to eviction laws and the rent control laws, especially in California and, and different States. And it's, uh, it's a challenge. I think more than ever, it's important to have liquidity, diversification, and the ability to have freedom, right? From having to feel like you have to be trapped by either tenants or the landlord laws. And that's where I believe the deferred sales trust is such a powerful way to not only to have a transaction, right, where you're deferring tax, but actually have a transformational exit plan to give you opportunity to have, you know, wealth that's um, built, uh, building a new foundation of wealth that's diversified, and that's liquid. So would you just speak to a little bit about uh, that thought and, and your thoughts on the Deferred Sales Trust?
2: Well, as I think I commented um, before, it's um, the fact that it isn't magic, it's very understandable, it makes it strangely kind of magical um simple, very well tested uh myself and my my team and in our business um <clears throat> you know credibility is really important uh and you know a wise person once said you know, um, you know you'll, you'll only lose your credibility once, so you'll never get it back to lose it again. And so we spent a lot of time and effort studying um, the estate planning team, studying their approach, meeting with some of the trustees, getting to know it, looking at, you know, it's been looked at eight ways to Sunday. Um, and it's um, better than other approaches because it is um, simple. It doesn't try and test the boundaries. Um, it, it, there there's natural opportunities in the tax code, keep it simple, keep it right down the middle in the bright sunlight so there's no, 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 none of that other nonsense. Um, I think it's accessible. We talked about that a little bit before. Um, I think um, it, uh, these things can be done reasonably quickly. Uh, there's, there's this kind of, you know, dream team that's been constructed. Brett's part of it. <clears throat> you can talk more about that. Where, um, i mean i've seen these things go from start to finish in a relatively short amount of time um you know and and freeing people up from some of the complications of the ten thirty one exchanges and they got the window on the thing where they couldn't find the probably you know <clears throat> um, it's it's so simple it's so clean and then once the assets get in there there's a reestablishment of cost basis and and then there's this real liquidity transparency ability to identify a, a you know the place you want to be on the risk spectrum. Um, and ability in some ways to um, yeah, to hit the restart button on that asset because all of a sudden, you know, all, all the issues surrounded with the tenants and the maintenance, if it's a piece of real estate and, you know, and, and, and changing of tax laws and changing of, you know, accounting laws and, and, and whatever else, those are all behind you now, right? I think those are some of the PowerPoints.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's the transformational part that really changed it for me as well. When I was at Marcus and chap helping people buy and sell real estate before the crash of 08, a lot of them had bought and sold and overpaid because of the 1031. And this was their, you know, half or, or, or majority of their wealth was tied into these decisions they were making that were forced. and I call it the shotgun wedding. You have 45 days to, to get engaged and 180 right. days to get married. And sometimes when you're under pressure, you tend to make poor decisions, um, especially if you have to go into equal or greater value, which is equal or greater debt. And so the um the deferred sales trust allows you to get out of debt.
2: Diver- nine, four, nine, two, diversify. Sorry
1: about that. That's okay. That's no problem. Diversify in oh, home and-
2: office I didn't turn off. <laughs> I turned off every other phone. Sorry.
1: That's okay. That's that can serious. be edited
2: out hopefully a little bit. It
1: could be, but it's also kinda of cool for the show because uh okay. it happens. So uh but speak to a little bit, you mentioned the the you know uh staying in the sunlight. And I think this is really important because the biggest thing I think for, for a lot of folks who are learning about the deferred sales stress for the first time. And I imagine uh, when you learned about it for the first time too, right? There's skepticism. There's too good to be true. There's um, what's the IRS done? Why, why isn't everyone doing this? Right. And, and why hadn't I heard about it before? Right. So would you kind of walk through just kind of your journey of, of due diligence Right. And and what that looked like to so folks can kind of get that level of detail that that you and Anfield Capital put in before, you know, joining the estate planning team and becoming one of the uh, strategic alliances to manage the money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think. Um,
2: goodness, we were probably first introduced to Bob Binkley. He's the founder and president of, of the estate planning team two years ago, maybe maybe a little more than two from memory. Um, impressive guy. First thing we always uh, do when there's a, an important person who's a, a sponsor, be it of a, a private equity investment or of, of, you know, of, of anything, or even just investing in a company, like a company you might go buy a stock, or in our case, we do a lot of, a lot of bond investing, um, is we, we want to understand the, the sponsor, right? The person we're dealing with, or the management of the company we're dealing with if it's a corporation if we can get to know them understand them get into their mindset a little bit and quite frankly in that process check them out um in the modern world there's so much information available um i think it's easy to figure out through available uh, uh you know online uh, access there's various regulators that oversee various parts of the business Super simple. Was Google the person? Uh, you wouldn't believe how many times we Google people, and it's just like, oh, oh, that's not good. Oh, oh, oh my, oh my, that's not good. You want to make sure it's the right person. Um, but so you know, we we check out the people, and we you know started to ask around and check on you know Bob's reputation, and and it was just came back sterling. This is just a sterling person he says what he means he does what he says and you know and and then so that was important then we began looking at <clears throat> at the organization cleans the whistle then we began looking at the actual nature of the transaction if you will um and so for that we did have to lean on some folks i myself i'm not a uh you know a real estate person many of these are real estate based but they don't have to be a whole range of different assets can work um we um uh, I'm certainly not a tax uh, a, a person or an accountant, that's for sure. Um, and so talk to folks we know, they took a look at all the various reviews. There's, you know, obviously it's been reviewed by every three or four or five letter governmental agency, uh, you know, in a regulatory or, or oversight context, you can imagine the IRS being of course the most important one, um, you know, letters of, of review, no issues, you um, and you just sort of start to put put it all together. I mean, if you watch something for a reasonable amount of period of time, and you 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 ask about it or look at it from a you know multi-directional, many different facets, um, if there's something there, you'll probably find it. Um, and in this case, there's nothing there, and it all makes makes perfect sense once you have the transaction. Um, I'm kind of visual in many ways too. So you know, I remember Bob and I have little boxes with arrows and dotted lines, and okay. This goes in here and that's what happens here and that goes over there and really understanding it structurally it makes sense
1: yeah very well said and uh, same here right and it uh, once you once you kind of you know i call it riding the bike right the first time you, you rode the bike or your advisors have never rode the bike if you it's going to be a little wobbly because you've never done it but but mm-hmm. if you can get along someone who's already been riding it and riding it for 25 years and thousands of closes and you know the over a dozen no change irs audits and, and the large large deals and oh wow these guys these guys are these guys are speed riders right i can i can learn how to do that and yeah yeah you can you know with with our help we'll, we'll help you guide that and on your first one you'll you'll be getting going fast and before you know it you're jumping on with the speed bikers and you're as you're as fast as, as anyone else but um but yeah it does have a learning curve and it is proprietary and it is protected and so it's also a part of acquire where um, we want to make sure that it doesn't get into the wrong hands and it doesn't get abused. And as well, um, we also don't want competition. So those are two things that, that help to keep it in a sense kind of contained and um, where you don't have, you know, three or 400 law firms all offering it. It it really comes down to really one law firm and, and then strategic alliances that work across the nation with them for, for their clients. And but thousands of business professionals and who um, have joined and the estate planning team as a whole and, so, uh, yeah, okay, great. Any last thoughts on that before we, uh, we move on to um, to uh, the next topic?
2: I think the last thought would be, too, is, yeah, looking at the people who are involved. Uh, people like yourself, Brett, um, you're know, obviously a, a very honorable, uh, credible individual, tremendous experience, great reputation, um, and just down the list. And, you know, it's, as I said before, I think good, good people have a way of finding each other. And I think um, good people also have a way of, you know, of distancing themselves from things that that maybe aren't good. And so we don't have to ride the bike for the whole journey. We can, we can talk to some of the other bike riders.
1: Yeah, really well said. Exactly. That's great. Well, thank you for that compliment. I appreciate that. And, and likewise, that's why we're um, so excited to uh, be able to to work with the estate planning team and yourself and the law firm who provides all of this. It's just, uh, it's a great group of folks. So, um, uh, what's maybe the biggest maybe mistake uh, a client has made as it pertains to capital gains tax deferral? In other words, what's that, what's, that, what's that story where you're just like, oh, I wish they would have known either about the deferred sales trust, you know, like, oh, what was that story that really would have made a huge difference had they known about the deferred sales trust? I think probably
2: um, the obvious one, which is uh, going, waiting too long going too far down the path, um, you know there's a, there's probably a gray area which we don't tend to be anywhere near. that gray area is when you've you've gone into the process of maybe there's you know letters of intent or or other things or uh, where where the, the the potential sale is simply too far progressed, right? And then it's like, no, this is this is not supposed to be a. I sold my house yesterday. Can I stick it in here real quick and get around? No, no. When we hear "get around," okay, that that's no, we're not getting around anything, right? There's a specific set of steps that have to happen in in a specific order, uh, with some reasonable amount of time, and so it's just like. Like that thing—it's just planning. It's getting out ahead of it. It's asking the right people, and if you think it's the right solution for you, start early, start often, um, you know, and 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 really be very methodical and organized about it. So, yeah, it's the shame we have. One one uh, client now are managing the money, and and it, it didn't come out of the of a, a DST transaction. They were too far down the path. They'd already committed. We, was, we can't. It's too late. And so they were so pleased with our our guidance and being forthright, and they have other real estate and other things that they want to transact. And and they they said, well, okay, all right. Well, next time we'll do it right. We understand now. We didn't know about it before. And they said, well, will you manage this money anyway, the after tax money? I said, sure. I'll do. Yeah, absolutely. We can do that. Um, so I think that would be one um, comment. I think the other comment would be. Um, Well, maybe, were there two parts to the question? I want to make sure I'm answering it No, a I think you answered it really well. Gosh, what a shame.
1: Yeah, you answered it really well. Just that was a story of a client who was too far down. And and yeah. for those who are listening, you know, we, we we can save a failed 1031 exchange. So that is a nice part of it. Um, Depending on on the timing of that as well. So for investment real estate owners who happen to be in the 1031, good. But everything else, we've really got to do before close of escrow. Not only before close of escrow, but before the buyer removes all contingencies. And that's really the key thing. What the IRS looks at was called constructive or actual receipt. Constructive means there's really nothing for nothing that's going to withhold you from taking you know these funds in the next seven, ten days, whenever it's going to close, three days. And had you not set up the trust prior to that point. That's the window where, uh, where, where you can get in trouble. So you gotta, you know, we want to be early, 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 set it up, you know, sometimes even before, before even a listing goes on, um, onto the marketplace to keep yourself, um, ex- you know, the earlier, the better. And the neat part about us too, is we don't charge unless you do the deal. So it's really a no cost due diligence. Um, and it's also a no cost in case the buyer doesn't work out. So, um, no, you shared it very well. Well, David, any, uh, any thoughts there? Or are you ready for the lightning round?
2: No, I think the other comment would be, although it might be getting too technical, it might be for later, um, then it's just a, a realistic understanding of what can be done with, um, with you know, assets that are in the trust. We see folks who are like, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell my house to the trust and then I'm going to have my you know son or daughter live in the house and, and not pay rent. And then I'm going to like, no, no, no,
1: no, 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 again. Well, that way we can get around. No, 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 get around. No, get around. Do it right. Do it right, and to that point, he means 100% investments, right? So the IRS gives no. the study of macroeconomics. They give these tax loopholes, legal tax loopholes, not to get around, but to incentivize the economy to grow, and actually grows the economy, which grows jobs, which grows tax revenue. And so, as long as it's investments, right, our business purpose, then the IRS likes the deferred sales trust. But yeah, as soon as you try to take that and make it like personal property, it's the same reason you can't 1031 an investment property into a primary home because that's just it's primary, it's personal property. They're going to say, that's not enough of an incentive. That's really just personal pleasure kind of thing. So just pay the tax. Um, but by the way, you can, you can cash out of the trust and, and pay your tax and go buy that fancy house or that fancy car. It's not prohibiting you do that. You just have to do it in that order. Cash out, pay the tax, then do it. Not try to use tax-deferred money to do that. So those are all the things that we can guide you through and show you. With that being said, um, are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready. All right, so knowing what you know now, David, if you can go back to your 25-year-old self, what's the one golden nugget that you would make sure that you would do?
2: One thing that I um, made sure that I would do, again, uh, maybe somewhat more philosophical than, <clears throat> um, than anything, um, I discovered over time that um, people don't know what you're thinking. And they don't know what you're feeling. So if you want them to know what you're thinking or feeling, you need to tell them. And if you don't know want, want them to know what you're thinking, you're feeling, you should not tell them.
1: Uh, yes, this, that should be the book. People don't know what you're thinking or feeling. And if you don't know what, if you don't want them to know that, then don't tell them. But if you do, then you go tell them. Very simple and very well said. And that could be a, a, a good marriage seminar, I would think, too, right?
2: maybe i don't know i think my maybe my wife is whispering that in my ear when i'm asleep and that's where i got that idea from i don't know but um yeah and i think um just um yeah just the the importance of um credibility mm-hmm. you only you only get it once it takes a lifetime to earn it takes a um you know one inadvertent or although usually there's forgiveness there or 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 intentional then 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 not you can ask forgiveness mistake and then it's poof i've seen folks uh ruin entire you know careers with the credibility building by one you know ill-conceived idea or overzealous uh action and it's just such a shame and so myself and my team along with the ept and others that are are involved it's just credibility is it's just paramount
1: very well said. I think a good quote for this credibility is never owned. It's only rented, and the rent is due every day. Um, and so, and you can do that with anything. If the integrity is never owned, it's only rented, the rent is due every day. So moving to the second question, what's the one book you've recommended or gifted the most in the past year?
2: Uh, so this is um, the downside of being an investment uh, nerd. Um, every, I, I don't read well i read all the time like constantly so my idea of relaxation is not reading Um, when i do read a book it's things like you know i don't know um monetary history of the united states by milton friedman it's not a page turner it is not um and so it's nothing that i think of if i I wouldn't i wouldn't do your listeners and watchers the, the injustice of recommending any of those books you want to talk about music that's my outlet uh i'm struggling to learn how to play the guitar it is not going well um i have a terrible singing voice uh even in the shower which is hard uh but i will typically um i will listen to music all the time if i didn't have to work
1: Beautiful. No, that's well said. I appreciate that. I should maybe have that next question. What's the one, you know, uh, album or, 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 or you've recommended in the past year. Uh, next question though, uh, give me a mobile or digital resource you recommend for your business.
2: A mobile or digital resource um, for, for our business. Um, well, I think there's some readily available online, um, information sources, not a specific to Anfield Capital, but just like like a resource anybody can use. Yeah, um, I, I think some of there's um, I, to this day, 30 plus years in the business, um, I uh, went online to, it's called Investopedia. Uh, it's just Inve- Investopedia, like Encyclopedia, investopedia.com. And I have, I get a uh, word of the day uh, which is like the calendar, right? And the vocabulary building calendar. Uh, and then some other things I have a number of different uh, pu- publications. Just um, just, just helps people learn. I have all of my younger staff say, go to Investopedia Center for these three things. Just that drip, drip, drip. Every day I learn a new word. Um, uh, I, I know many of them, but it's it's good reinforcement. Um, I think things like Yahoo Finance and other online, um, you know, market and economic things. Um, Advisor Perspectives uh, com is another good source. Lots of interesting, easy to read, one and two page articles, thought pieces about either the market or about an investment strategy or about uh, you know well, ways to defer capital gains and transactions and um, accessible, easy to read. Um, and I would encourage people to, if you're interested in, if you have investments, you're interested in markets, there's such an interaction between markets and politics and society even more so every day and, 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 and when the world is so global, um, those are three easy ways to
1: just kind of just kind of stay in touch. Beautiful, thank you so much. Time. Yeah, and this will be our last question. Um, and uh, it's centered around after all your success and, and being able to help so many people um and uh now being where you're at now uh, how do you stay centered in your values and then how do you stay encouraged to reach for new heights
2: Hmm centered in the values um and reaching for new heights um so yeah, I, I figured out a while back that the endless pursuit of um, money, like like that kind of enrichment, was. Um, and it's not like I like I have all this money, right? I mean, we are we are comfortable, but um, just just over time, de-emphasizing that and realizing that <clears throat> um, health, family, friendships—they're the things that endure. Part of that is professional credibility reputation and so spending more time focusing on those and trying to to you know sort of a, sort of a journey of, of of enlightenment and uh being a better person um and so those are sort of my missions i have financial goals like like everybody does but it's it's understanding that th- those come in time and there's good times and bad for us like everybody else this is a 2020, tough time. Um, and so I think also um, deriving enjoyment from mentoring and growing people around me. Um, I think sometimes I drive my staff crazy because I'm, that's the pr- Professor Young uh, in, in me coming out. I again I mentioned before, I, uh, I'm not teaching currently, but I'm on the faculty at the Morag School of Business, University of California, Irvine. Um, and um, giving back by mentoring and training and cultivating others. Um, I think that's, um, that's important to me.
1: That's beautiful. And I uh, appreciate you sharing that. And for our listeners, it's going to wrap up the show here. Who want to get in touch with you, David? What's the best place for them to find you? Could you remind them one more time?
2: Uh, sure. The company website is uh, A N F I E L D. LLC.com. That's, uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's Anfield Capital. Uh, AnfieldCapital.com. Website wrong. Um, you can also call the general number 949 891 0600. Susie or Natasha will answer. They're very nice. They'll track me down if I'm around. I'll, I'll chat with you. If not, I'm sure they can answer most of your questions probably better than I.
1: Well, thank you, David. I want to thank you for um, sharing so much wisdom sharing your insight uh sharing your experience with the deferred sales trust and uh and being a part of of the dream team nearly now and i i'm excited for uh, all the folks that we can help together and uh thank you for uh, being on the show and and with that uh i encourage you to keep using the gift you've been given to bless others and help others um especially as, as it pertains to the discipline of patience right and don't forget um uh, uh, and I, I have a thought here, not trading the joy of, of the big return with our ego, right? But mm-hmm. we want to trade that for the joy of, 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 of focusing on risk, right? I think that's kind of the, the real theme that I, that, that I built from this. And so uh, keep using those gifts to bless others and thank you so much. And with that, I also want to thank our listeners for listening to another episode of the Capital Gains Tax Solutions Podcast. As always, we believe most high net worth individuals and those who help them, they struggle with clarifying their capital gains tax referral options Not having a clear plan is the enemy and using a proven tax referral strategy such as the Deferred Sales Trust is the best way for you to grow your wealth. If we can help you at all, you can go to CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com. That's if you're selling a a, a primary home, a business, investment real estate, highly appreciated public stock, you name it. If it has Capital Gains Tax, the Deferred Sales Trust may be the best fit for you. You can go to CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com, schedule your one-on-one consultation, and learn more about that. And with that, goodbye, everybody, and thank you so much. You have just listened to another information-packed episode of Capital Gains Tax Solutions with Brett Swartz. We hope you enjoyed today's show and found it helpful. Visit CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com to access the show notes and to access more resources. Don't forget to leave a review and join us again next time.